What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We are not going to keep the matter in our heart. We are going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about whether or not John the Baptist, or whether or not John the, the, the apostle is still alive. Folks, I have been on a roller coaster of emotion. Um, things, we've just get, we've been getting good news one hit right after the other, which is amazing. Um, just say a prayer of thanksgiving for on behalf of the Brewer family for, to God. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's really good. So I have an unspoken prayer request, but it's nothing bad. It's all good. Now let's talk about our sponsor, Dotson at gmail.com. I hope you check her out. Are you part of a church congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. It's in the bottom third on the left for more details. Do not miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Faye Dotson today. And it is good to see everybody. I'm going to take her uh, info down. And remember, if you want to support us monetarily, you can send some money to PayPal if you like, uh, www.nearchurches at gmail.com. Or you can go to Patreon and buy me a coffee, www.buymeacoffee, www.patreon. Both of those are .com forward slash Christianity now. Now, let me get this back here where I can, I got everything set up the way I like it. And oops, that's where we at. There, now we're cooking with hot butter. Um, elated for the Brewer family. Thank you so much, Dana Harden. And appreciate that. Hey, Tony, prayers for your family. John Exum, um, actually, the ceiling is what's up. That is true. Uh, what's up? The death rate and the tax rate. Um, anyway, good to see everybody. And remember, if, if I don't call your name, it is because if you look on the screen, it's because you come up like this. Don't worry about it. You don't, I don't have to know your name, uh, but I appreciate you nonetheless. Remember, look at all of our, all of our platforms that we're on. I thought about another podcast session. Could Mississippi Squirrel Revival by Ray Stevens make for a good podcast? In the sense of some view revival in Christianity. Yeah, it, it actually could probably. There's, I like that song. The day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church in that sleepy little town of Caspagula. It was a fight for survival that broke out in revival. They were jumping pews. And shouting hallelujah. Anyway, I bet y'all didn't know I had that in me. Folks, I'm flabbergasted. Okay, listen to me. Now lean in and listen. I think that maybe I was a little bit arrogant. A little full of myself. A little too big for my own britches. 
I thought that because of my experience online and the eclectic group of people to whom I speak and from whom I read comments on a daily basis, y'all, I just kind of thought I'd heard it all. I know, I know that's some of you that are a little bit older than me. Some of you that have been through a little bit more than me are chuckling and you're saying something like, you big dummy. And you'd be right. Folks, I heard a piece of doctrine that I've never heard before. And I, like I said, I thought I was fairly well versed in, in the Mormon theology. But evidently there's something that just, boom, here we go. John the Apostle is still alive. Would you believe it? They teach that John the Apostle is still alive. And it's not just that they teach John the Apostle is still alive. They teach that when Jesus was dead and he was resurrected, that he went to the Americas and he got 12 more apostles. And after the end of his earthly ministry in the Americas, he asked them, what do you want? And uh, nine of them said, we just want to come to you quickly. And three of them said, we want to tarry in the earth until you return because we want to bring more souls to you. So there are, including John the Apostle, there are three what is called Nephite apostles in the world, okay? Now, what is the ramifications of that? I don't know, quite frankly. I know, I know that it is a, a really easy way for them to say that miracles happen. And I'm going to read you a segment of the Book of Mormon. I, you come on the Christianity Now podcast and you get a reading from the Book of Mormon. So this is from Second Nephi, chapter 28. That's right. Behold, I thought. Uh, Naaman the leper said, well, these, these, these folks going meeting Jesus on the day of a judgment that are Mormons, they're going to be saying, behold, I thought a lot. So the, um, yeah, how do they justify their theology? Because they still have access to revelation. Here's the thing. If you're, if you're debating the scriptures with somebody that still thinks that the Holy Spirit reveals truth unto them, you cannot win the debate. You can't, you will never convince the person that their doctrine is wrong because from their perspective, your doctrine, and I'm, listen, this is, it's amazing how, let me read this and you're, and, and, and you're, and I'll be able to better answer your question. <laughs> anyway, I'm flabbergasted. Can you tell? All right. Chapter 28, the heading of chapter 28 of second Nephi, many false churches will be built up in the last days. They will teach false, vain, and foolish doctrines. Apostasy will abound because of false teachers. The devil will rage in the hearts of men. He will teach all manner of false doctrines. This was written about 559 to 545 BC. So half a millennia before Christ, this chapter of the Book of Mormon was written. I don't have enough time to get into this, but this, anyway, just that, that's a whole other deal. My suggestion is go find Nathan Franson and uh, get him to come to the congregation where you are to put on a seminar, and he does a good job. All right, 
And now, behold, my brethren, I have spoken unto you according to the spirit that hath constrained me. Wherefore, I know that they must surely come to pass. And the things which shall be written out of the book shall be of great worth unto the children of men, and especially unto our seed, which is a remnant of the house of Israel. For it shall come to pass in that day that the churches which are built up and not unto the Lord, when the one shall say unto the other, Behold, I, I am the Lord's, and the others shall say, I, I am the Lord's, and thus shall every one say that hath built up churches and not unto the Lord. So in the last days, everybody's going to be hollering, I'm of the Lord, I'm of the Lord, I'm of the Lord, but they are not of the Lord according to this prophecy in the book of Second Nephi chapter 28. And they deny the power of God, the Holy One of Israel. And they say unto the people, Hearken unto us, and hear ye our precept. For behold, there is no God today, for the Lord and the Redeemer hath done his work, and he hath given his power unto men. So if we say that the age of miracles has ceased, and that there are no more miracles in the world today, according to this prophecy in 2 Nephi 28, what we are actually saying is there is no God that the God and the, the Lord and the Redeemer have done and is, and, and is finished and has given this power unto men. Verse 6, Behold, hearken ye unto my precept. If they shall say there is a miracle wrought by the hand of the Lord, believe it not. For this day he is not a God of miracles. He hath not done his work. Again, he's the, the prophet Nephi is telling us, according to the Mormons, that there are going to be people that deny miracles. And they're going to say, if you see a miracle, if somebody claims a miracle, they're going to say that it is not a miracle. All right? Yeah, uh, behold, hearken ye into my precept. If, if they say, uh, shall there be a miracle wrought in, the, in, in my hand? The Lord believe it not, for this is the day. Uh, not of God, of, of miracles, he hath done his work. All right. Um, let's see. Let me just keep reading. Uh, it's not very long. Yea, there shall be many which shall say, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, and it shall be well with us. And there shall also be many which shall say, eat, drink, and be merry. Nevertheless, fear God. He will justify in committing a little sin. Yea, lie a little. Take advantage of one because of his words. Dig a pit for thy neighbor. There is no harm in this and do all these things. For tomorrow we die, and if it so be that we are guilty, God will beat us with a few stripes, and at last we shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Yea, and there shall be many which shall teach after this manner false and vain and foolish doctrines, and shall be puffed up in their hearts, and they shall seek deep to hide their counsels from the Lord, and their work shall be in the dark, and the blood of the saints shall cry from the ground against them. Yea, they have all gone out of the way, they have become corrupted. Because of pride, because of false teachers and false doctrine, their churches have become corrupted, and their churches are lifted up because of pride, they are puffed up. They rob the poor because of their fine sanctuaries. They rob the poor because of their fine clothing. And they persecute the meek and the poor in heart because of their pride. They are puffed up. 
They wear stiff necks and high heads, yea, because of pride and wickedness and abominations and whoredoms. They have all gone astray, save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that with many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. Oh, the wise and the learned and the rich that are puffed up in the pride of their fathers and all those who preach false doctrines and whose and, and all those who commit whoredoms and pervert the right way of the Lord. Woe, woe, woe be unto them, saith the Lord God Almighty, for they shall be thrust down to hell. Woe, so anyway, I'm not going to read any more of that. Um, I, used, I used Nathan Franson's book and DVDs and still could not reach them. Yeah, good luck. Uh, I studied with a Mormon a long time, and he began to realize they had Joseph Smith in high regard to Christ. Absolutely. But again, they just shut down when that happens. And Nathan did do a seminar at MSOP. It's on their website. Okay, cool. Well, maybe maybe, maybe you can go look at that. Now, here's the thing. Why did I take the time to read this? Because just this one chapter from 2 Nephi 28 is a foundation for the Mormons to make their doctrine unfalsifiable. In other words, if you argue with a Mormon, then you are of these people who deny the power of God, who deny God. You are a person who is corrupt. I think it's like the um, the no true Scotsman's fallacy. Uh, they just say, if you disagree with us, you're not a true Christian. And uh, there are no true Christians except for us. And granted, I think we need to explore the boundaries of the kingdom because there are people who claim to be Christians who are not, but just because somebody comes at me and disagrees with what I believe, I don't start with the premise, you're not a true Christian. I assume that they are, and then I let the debate pull that out, okay? But with what they have here, it's just unfalsifiable. So when you go to Doctrine and Covenants, now, remember, at the end of the book of John, let's, let's go to, uh, to John in the New Testament. At the end of the book of John, there's an interesting uh, exchange with uh, Peter. All right? Where is it at? Yeah. Verse 19 of John chapter 21. Okay, this spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, to Peter, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Well, Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, Ye shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. I'm going to put a pen there. So we understand then that there was some confusion about this statement of Jesus where 
Jesus told Peter, who had been humbled, he said, look, whenever you were young, you, you were free. You went wherever you want to go. But when you're old, you're going to be bound. And that's not all he told him. But basically, the scripture tells us, and this is signified how he should die. And then Peter said, well, what about this fella? Well, that's John. What's it to you if, he, if I say he's going to tarry till I come again? And so because of confusion, the doctrine went around that John wasn't going to die until Jesus' second coming, but it had to be corrected, and it was corrected here in the Gospel of John. Like, no, dummies, that's not what he said. He said, what is it to you? In other words, the point Jesus was making is, it doesn't matter whether or not he's going to die. That's not the point of what I'm telling you. What's it matter in relation to what I, what I want of you if I say he's not going to die? That's the thing. So there's nothing in the text that, that keeps John alive for a couple thousand years. Um, just catching this because of the time difference. If John is still alive, they have a lot of explaining to do about their great apostasy belief. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. That is true. All right. Now, so we just read the scripture. Let's read Doctrine and Covenants. Incidentally, be the algorithm for us. Um, if you would be the algorithm for us, like, subscribe, share, invite your friends, all that good stuff. Now, this is Doctrine and Covenants. This is section seven. I have in my possession a doctrine and covenants, and I can read section seven, but I'm going to read it on the computer screen. Revelation given to Joseph Smith, the prophet, and Oliver C-O-W-D-E-R-Y, I'm assuming Cowdery, at Harmony, Pennsylvania, 1829, April, when they inquired through the Urim and the Thummim as to whether John, the beloved disciple, tarried in the flesh, or had died. The Revelation is a translated version of the record made on parchment by John and hidden up by himself. So John, this, this, this vision, they received a vision of a parchment that John had written and hid you see how this is unfalsifiable. It's a claim that cannot be falsified. All right. I'm going to read it and keep in mind from their perspective, this is John writing and Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery received this vision. And uh, yeah, here it is. And the Lord said unto me, John, my beloved, what desirest thou? For if you shall ask what you will, it shall be granted unto you. And I said unto him, Lord, give unto me power over death, that I may live and bring souls unto thee. And the Lord said unto me, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Because thou desirest this, thou shalt tarry until I come in my glory, and shalt prophesy before nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. Now remember that it is important. Um, I can't, I don't, I, I'm, I cannot pronounce your name. But I wonder what language it was in. Well, the whole religion was given by an angel named Moron, Moroni. Their main prophet, Alma, 
<laughs> the Hebrew word Alma means little girl. So, yeah, who knows what language it was in? It was whatever fanciful vision that a perverted man had. All right. And the Lord said unto, unto me, this is verse 3 of Doctrine and Covenants, section 7. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, because that thou desired this, thou shalt tarry until I come in my glory. Now, this is important. And shalt prophesy before nations, kindred, and tongues, and people. Now, this is important. Oh, yeah, no, I meant the parchment of John that he apparently saw. That's the thing. Yeah, who knows, you know? Uh, again, it was, it was fake. They, they're making this up. They didn't see it, so... Yeah, it, it wouldn't. It, they didn't see any any parchment. They're making it up. All right, and for this cause, the Lord said to Peter, "If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee?" So the the Bible explicitly states this is why he said it, but then the doctrines and covenants says explicitly for a different reason. All right. And for this cause, the Lord said unto Peter, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? For he desired of me that he might bring souls unto me, but thou desiredest that thou mightest speedily come unto me in my kingdom. In other words, I want to come quickly to you after death. All right. Um, Yeah, I'm surprised how some random field in Missouri would be called the Garden of Eden. All right. Now, I say unto thee, Peter, this was a good desire, but my beloved, that would be John, has desired that he might do more or a greater work yet among men than what he has done before. Yea, he has undertaken a greater work because of that. I will make him, now listen, I will make him as a flaming fire, a ministering angel. He shall minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation who dwell on the earth. And I will make thee to minister for him and for thy brother James. And unto you three, I will give this power and the keys of the ministry will until I come. Verily I say unto you, you shall both have according to your desires for you both joy in that which you have desired. So their Bible translation is in the King James Version. Yes, in fact. Um, yeah, you can read. Well, in fact, I'm, I'll just take a section uh, from uh, this is, well, this is Second Nephi chapter 5. Behold, it came to pass that I, Nephi, did cry much unto the Lord my God because of the anger of my brethren. But behold, the, their anger did increase against me insomuch that they did seek to take away my life. Yea, they did murmur against me, saying, Our younger brother thinks to rule over us, and we have... I mean, that just sounds a whole lot like Korah and them. But anyway, the vernacular is the King James. Yeah, in fact, Nathan Franson talks about how much they plagiarized the King James version of the Bible. All right. So according to the Doctrine and Covenants, John, according to Doctrine and Covenants section 7, verse 3, John is going to prophesy before nations, kindreds, tongues, 
and people. This is not going to be private. This is not going to be behind closed doors. This is going to be public. And then when you go down closer to the end, um, in verse 6, I will make him, John, as a flaming fire and a ministering angel. He shall minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. Folks, my question is, where is he? If John, if John the apostle is not dead, then where is he? Because he's not. Do, he must have fell away. He must have given up. He must have apostatized because he's not doing the reason for which he was preserved. If indeed his life was preserved until the second coming of Jesus, he must have. Been, he must be like that stupid character Luke Skywalker. While the universe is crashing down, he's a hermit on an island somewhere, refusing to engage while the world burns, while the universe burns. So, yeah, th- this is the height of foolishness. Um, I'm going to go into my Facebook. I actually answered a, a comment uh, that somebody asked. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, here it is. Uh, so, one a, a guy I'm Facebook friends with, To all members of the Church of Christ, I appreciate all members of the Churches of Christ to answer these questions, and I ask and ask them questions. A friend of mine who's a Mormon said that John the Apostle never died. When and where did John die? Now, this is the problem. This fool, and and look, y'all, whenever people are fools, you can call them fools. Whenever people are stupid, you can call them stupid. Whenever they're idiots, you can call them idiots. Scripture uses all of those terms, okay? This fool, this this unlearned, scripture-twisting cult follower is thinking that because we don't have a historical, uh, uh, reliable marker for John's death that John didn't die. You know who else? We don't have that for Peter. We don't have that for many of the apostles, many of the characters. Well, think about Melchizedek. Did Melchizedek ever taste death? Well, no, because we know that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment, that man is not going to live forever, that he's you know, going to die around 70 or 80 years old, and in and if he can, he can add a little bit of time to it, but he's going to die around that lifespan. All right. And so you have some great exceptions in scripture, but they are spectacular. But Melchizedek, he died. How do you know? Because he went the way of all the earth. So, but we don't have a historical time, a historical marker that tells us when and where Melchizedek died, but we don't have that for John either. But as far as I know, we don't have it for Matthew. All we have is tradition on how the apostles died with the exceptions of the ones that died in scripture and died on screen. Like we know how James died. He was ran through with the sword, but all we have is tradition on Peter. We don't have any, 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 um, verifiable, documentation of his actual death. 
So the absence of proof is not the proof of absence. So that's the that's a big red flag right there. Whenever somebody says, "Well, John the, John the apostle is still alive today," and the response is, "No, he's not," and they say, "Well, tell me when he died then." Well, sometime after he wrote the book of Revelation. How's that? Sometime after his seventieth birthday, he could have lived. He was ninety, sure. So that would be sometime after his 70th birthday. But, I mean, he, he didn't live till he was 500. He didn't live till he was 150. He died. He went the way of all the earth. Yeah, common sense goes a long way. And, and again, John Exum, for what purpose would it be for John to live to the second coming? Well, I think it's just because you have this fantastical cultish religion concocted in the mind of this pervert, Joseph Smith, that was a sexual deviant and was a low moral kind of shyster grifter kind of fella. Um, and so they have to stick by this. They have to stick by it. Now, what is, I don't, I don't know exactly, John. I, I've, I've been, I've been looking, I've been, yeah, I just don't know. Um, Yeah, I, 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 I just don't know why. I don't know what the payoff for this doctrine is. I tell you, one way you can pay off is there, if, if we're going to argue that the age of miracles is over, then a lot of people argue from Acts chapter 8, verse 18. When Simon saw that by the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Well, you don't get the gift of the Holy Ghost, the ability to do miracles, unless an apostle lays on hands. If John is still alive, then John could still be anointing people that are able to do miracles. That's the only thing that I can think of. Connie Barden says, I have ancestors that I don't know the dates of their death, but I know the reason they are not alive some 200 years later. <laughs> this just a, not Connie, it's just a, how do I say, I'm just going to say this and understand I'm laughing. It's funny because of the absurdity of it. That's such a dumb comment to have to read on a live stream. But it's appropriate because of the topic. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that never would I have thought, again, I guess I was arrogant. I was too big for my britches. I thought I had seen it all before and I just missed this. This crazy doctrine that states that John the Apostle is still alive to the point where we're discussing it and we have a perfectly rational and sane human being say, well, I have ancestors. I don't know the dates of their death, but I know the reason they're not alive some 200 years later. I'm like, what a crazy world. What a crazy live stream and, and, and that, that unironically somebody put that comment in it. Okay. Sorry. Evidently, Connie, you're, you're, you have good humor. You know, you, yeah, you, you replied with exactly. So thank you for that. Um, here, here's my initial reply to this question. I said, this will make the podcast for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a good question if approached from the perspective of an honest heart. And it is. Number two, it is a good way to model proper hermeneutics. So the answer to the question from the text, John clears up any misconception. And John Exum says, I never thought we'd have to discuss one day the difference in men and women. You, you got that right. So. John chapter 21, verse 23. 
Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that the disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? So grammatically, in no way whatsoever was Jesus telling Peter that he's not going to die. He was just making the point. It doesn't mean anything to you if I would have told him he was going to tarry till I come. I've got a job of work for you, so you mind your own business. So the answer is that Jesus never asserted nor declared that John would not die. The question, when and where did John die, is based on the premise that Jesus declared John would not die. Since the text denies the premise that prompted the question, then there is no debate nor discussion to be had about the answer, only the validity of the question itself. And the question's validity has been weighed, measured, and found wanting. And then this fool gets on here and says, don't forget that Jerry Crabb is the one asking the question. The answers are clear as a bell. His answer is what has been found wanting, and the implications of the true answers are simple. God has not changed and reveals his secrets to his servants, as in Amos 3, 7. Unbelievers will not know. And, of course, my response was, I don't understand this comment. Basically, this dude is, is trying to speak in highbrow, esoteric, convoluted, and vague ways, and he just comes off as stupid. I said, I don't understand your comment. He says, if you don't believe in miracles and revelation, have, if you believe miracles and revelation have ceased, you will not believe the truth God has revealed in miraculous ways. Does that help you understand it? It is a huge paradigm shift toward believing the Bible and God's ways instead of traditions about the Bible. I say this with love and a firm belief that God is always and has been a God of miracles including ongoing revelation after the Bible. I have experienced such and countless others too. So right there, that tells me he's a liar, a liar, a liar. He has not experienced such. Countless others have not experienced such. Nobody during the age of miracles ever had an academic debate about the cessation or the continuation of the age of miracles. They just did it. Hey, I can do a miracle. Well, no, you can't because of this. Hey, shut your mouth. Here's a miracle. Okay? Go kick rocks. If you assert that miracles happen today, that's what you have to do. Because nobody debated it when the miracles were actually happening. So my response was, huh? I still can't understand you. Just say what you mean. Stop trying to sound however it is you're trying to sound. Finally, he says, the apostle John did not die as Jerry Crabb included in his question. How is that confusing? I can see why it might be unbelievable, but that's a different topic. And then, of course, he says, love you, charity prevailed. You dirty virtue signaling, terrible individual that's sending people to hell. Don't virtue signal the love of God towards me. That's it. Also see flat earthers. You got that right. 
You know, flat earthers claim to have members all around the world. So my response to this fella is, well, there you go. Yes, the apostle John died. Your conclusion is based on something that Jesus never said. Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus said, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And then, of course, then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? I said, John cleared up what Jesus said. He said, I understand your confusion and why it is in error. I understand why you won't make the leap of faith. That is okay. Heart, pray hand. We can kindly disagree since you believe God took completely different tactics with mankind based on biblical assumptions. Stepping outside your current paradigm is challenging, but with God is impossible. We cannot disagree. This person is a false teacher and he's going to hell and he's taking people with him. There is no agreement to disagree. Wisdom from above, brethren, first must be pure. Then it's peaceable. This person is an underminer, a shaker of faiths. He's trying to get people to go to hell with him. Anyway, finally, I just, I just start hammering and, uh, I, then it dawns on me. Look, you're a Mormon. I said, you don't believe that Jesus is deity. All right. I said, you don't even believe that Jesus is God. Mormons, uh, Mormons and Mormons, Latter-day Saints, believe that in a spiritual pre-mortal existence, all of God's spirit children, including Jesus Christ and Lucifer, which is their name for the devil, are siblings. While they acknowledge a brotherly relationship, they also emphasize the distinct roles. Jesus is the divine Savior and Lucifer who became Satan after the rebellion as the adversary. I said, you're done. John's still alive, dot, dot, dot. You don't even believe Jesus is God. You have problems. And then, of course, he said, Jesus Christ is God, but not Heavenly Father. So you right there. Jesus and God are equal. Jesus and the Father are equal. They are equidaic. They are coetaneous. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. The Word was with God, but the Word was also God. The same was in the beginning with the Word, and not anything that was made was made. Or the same was in the beginning with God, and not anything that was made was made without the Word. And verse 14 of, of John chapter 1, the, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's monogonase. It's, uh, it's, um, it is, uh, one gene. It's, it's from the, it's, 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 I'm, 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 my brain is buffering. I got so much here. Jesus is God's only begotten son. Light begets like. Jesus has to be deity. Because his father is deity. That's the idea. All right. Um, 
But anyway, this fellow says Jesus Christ is God, but not Heavenly Father. The Bible, which I believe adamantly teaches this through many, though many don't believe where the Bible leaves. Your other ideas about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are extremely erroneous. But trust me, we are accustomed to false claims about us, just as other Christians get accused or accustomed to such information. Goodbye, unless you want to join in again. And But to keep to the main topic that the Apostle John is alive today, like, no. I know your damnable doctrine from your pedophile so-called prophet. And Joseph Smith was a pedophile. He liked young girls. He came, and it's, again, it's in their book, Monogonese, only one of his kind. Monogonese, or, or the, 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 their own book, this is the Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price and Book of Mormon. Their own book allows for Joseph Smith and men of the Mormon faith to take these young girls as wives. And the idea is to have as many spirit wives in this realm of existence. Now, according to the church apostle today in the book of, uh, in the, in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint, this is no longer necessary. Therefore it's officially no longer doctrine of the church. I just think that's mighty convenient. And incidentally, the copy of the book of Mormon that I have, still has the curse of Cain being the black skin that the men and women of Africa have. And that is why that black people from Africa were not allowed in the priesthood of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints until the 80s. And what they had to do is they had to rewrite the Book of Mormon. I've got the copy of it from before it was rewritten. Anyway, folks, the Apostle John went the way of all the earth. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The Apostle John died, period, bar none. And I think I'm done. I appreciate every one of you listening. I I, I wish I could, I, I could give you... um. I wish I could give you the answer to this question. Why would John still be alive so Jesus couldn't do what he was sent to do? Excuse me. I read that with a wrong inflection. Why would John still be alive? So Jesus couldn't do what he was sent to do? And John Exum, the only one that didn't die is Enoch. And incidentally, well, no, he wasn't the only one that didn't die. Elisha was caught up. Enoch was caught up. Was there a third? I don't think so. Enoch and Elisha. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, yeah, it's a big deal. I think the third I'm thinking of is Jesus. So Jesus died, but he never, he he didn't die again after his resurrection. I know a woman, a Mormon woman who could not drink tea, but she could drink she could drink Diet Coke. So you can't have tea, but you can have all that aspartame. John Exum said, that's right. Forgot about Elijah. Good deal. Yeah, there's so much. Y'all, I I, I, I use y'all so much. Um, Yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got one this time. But anyway, um, yeah, I wish I could answer the question of what the payoff to this doctrine was. But remember, 
my, you know, it's, it's not that where and when did John die? It's where has John been and what has he been doing? Because in, um, doctrines and covenant section seven, verse three, John is supposed to prophesy before nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. And in verse six, he's supposed to have been made as a flaming fire and a ministering angel. And he's supposed to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation who dwell on the earth. Folks, where? Where? Point to the fire. I mean, there at least ought to be some smoke. I, where? Where are you at? And again, don't tell me that the age of miracles is still going on. I'm not going to, I'm done having scholarly debates about it. If you can't do a miracle, you can't hold to the doctrine of continuum, continuum of what? Cessationism versus continualism. Continuationism. Cessation and continuation. Anyway, you can't believe that miracles happen today if, if you can't produce a miracle. Period. Bar none. I'm done messing with it. I give no quarter from here on out. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cash my pearls before swine nor give what is holy to dogs. I'm not gonna have these debates about whether or not the age of miracles is here. If if the age of miracles is still here, then do a miracle. If not, go kick rocks. Nobody during the age of miracles ever had a scholarly debate parsing out the words of Jesus and the apostles concerning the age of miracles. They just did the miracles. When they could no longer do the miracles, then the age of miracles was over. Thank you so much, Scott Beck, John, Scott Beck, John Exum, Connie Barden, and others that I cannot name because Restream doesn't give me your name. I would like for every one of you to consider subscribing to the Substack. Um, thank you, Diana Harden. She says, well said. Thank you, Tony, as always. And uh, thank you so much. Lay seas to the throne of heaven on behalf of the Brewer family in gratitude for the blessings that have come to us from God. And that's all I'm going to say on the live stream because that's all I'm at liberty to say in the moment. Thank you so much. And thank and, and, and lay seas to the throne of heaven on behalf of us because I want to make sure God knows that we're grateful. And uh, that's all I've got. Continue to subscribe, follow. I just uh, if if you're a if you're a supporter on Patreon or buy me a coffee, I just dropped a supporter video today. I'm probably going to start doing those on Thursdays. And uh, if you want to support us monetarily, we have all of the the PayPal, the buy me a coffee, the Patreon. And you can go to Substack and you can you can buy a year subscription for 50 bucks or you can pay $5 a month and you'll get access to the narrated articles. And ever I try about twice or three times a month to put out a subscriber, a paid subscriber only article. But every day there's a free article that comes out and those will never be behind a paywall. All right. God bless everybody. Thank you. And thank you, Connie Barden. And uh, subscribe, subscribe, be the algorithm for us. Christianity Now, Cogitations, we'll catch you on the flip side.